Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it is really a pleasure, as always, to be back with you here on the program as we bring you uh, new paradigms for a new world, choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and we are streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We uh, podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other. Okay, the list is just ridiculous, but hey, I got to tell you where we are. We're also on YouTube. That's another place we are where you can watch these interviews. And you look, you can look at our bright, shiny faces as we talk about uh, the things that we talk about here on this program. If you'd like to support the work we're doing, we would greatly appreciate any financial support you can offer. We uh, have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And we also ask that uh, you spend some time, and I think we'll be talking about this a bit too, going within to that quiet, still, calm, peaceful place and listening to that still, small voice. And with that, we have a returning guest, a beautiful uh, singing voice, a musician, if you will. I, I like to consider my, I, I've tried the violin, the piano, the baritone. I have my father's, my late father's harmonica, which I'm playing around with, but eh, the best one I got is my voice. So to that end, we're going to talk with a woman who has a beautiful voice. You've heard her on our program before. And uh, her name here on the program, her name is Kaliani, a.k.a. Jane. Uh, is it Jur uh, or Gur? Gear. Gear. Well, Kaliani is how we're going to know you, who you are. She is a spiritually inspired visionary. And as a producer, artist, and founder of the Stargate Alliance Films and Media, uh, she hopes to inspire humanity through offering alternative visions, information, empowering tools for self as well as for global uh, global soul transformation. And uh, it's it's wonderful to have you here. And today we're really going to dig deep into. Uh, the life of uh, Kaliani, and uh, I guess we could start, um, I suppose, in the present day where you are today, and work backwards. But uh, if we can, let's start. Let's start from the beginning. I mean, obviously, you and I, we both came into this world the same way, but we both had different paths. Tell us, tell us how, when you knew about your path. Well, um, you know, if we're going to start from the very, very start, um, my earliest memory, conscious memory of self was uh, in the crib when my mother was teaching my uh, sister to pray and do the sign of the cross. She was two and a half years older than me, and I was just looking at it, and every night she would go there and spend that special time with her, but she wouldn't do it to me. So, you know, as a, I was probably maybe one, <laughs> uh, I'm watching her and I'm not understanding. I don't understand the difference between my sister and I, or that there is a difference, you know? So I started to cry one of the nights because I felt um, I wasn't special. I wasn't special enough. Why wasn't she doing that to me, you know? And so she, I started to cry and she comes over to the crib and 
I grab her hand and I smear it on my face. You know, I love telling that story because I feel like I knew that there was something uh, unique and special and something mysterious that I felt really um, left out from. And when she started, so she laughed and giggled and she held my hands and she was doing, you know, like the long sign of the cross, like it's mostly, you know, Europeans and Catholics that do that version. And my mother is Portuguese. So, and she taught us to pray from a very young age, every night, she would sit by our bed, me and my sister, and we would uh, pray four, five, six prayers. You know, she she taught us every single prayer that she knew. But she did not take us to church, because even though she grew up going to church and confessing almost daily sometimes, because the church was right in front of her house in Portugal. And... Uh, she, when she was 22, she, I think she was 22, 20, in her 20s, she read a book about the Holy Inquisition and she was completely shocked, you know, and she said, I do, I do, do not want to be a part of this. Uh, I just can't. And she vowed to never, you know, attend church services. It was her uh, feeling in her heart, but the power of prayer was, was what she impressed on us. And um, for some reason, for me, it um, catapulted me into this, uh, you know, curiosity about God and spirit and the true nature of reality, looking at things behind the veils as I started to grow up. Um, and even as a child, uh, barely learning how to write it, I, I started, sometimes I would write like mystic poems and my mother would get a little scared. She would look at me, you know. And um, at around uh, 12, 13, I read the whole collection of Khalil Gibran that my mother was a big, big fan, uh, fan of. And uh, I actually have it. Uh, my mom, before she passed, she started giving me things. Um, so she brought me her collection. You can see this is... Um, you know, in Portuguese. Um, mm. mm -hmm. Actually, this one, this one actually is not, is not the, I thought I had picked up the right one. Now, this is an old version, but. So I read that collection and, um, and from there, I just, you know, continued to investigate and on my birthday, around 15, she said, what did I want? 15 is a big number in Brazil. Like you have like this debutante kind of party, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I, I wanted to become a member of a, um, a book club. I just wanted to put my hands in, in mystic writings and spirituality. I was getting a lot of downloads, you know, um, and that was my nature. It was just my nature. And, um, I read Barbara and Brennan, Hands of Light, you know, at, at around that age. And I was becoming aware of, um, of you know, the, the true essence of existence being energy, right? The auric fields and healing, hands-on healing. And I read Eric Von Daniken, uh, this one, Let's see. The God of the God. Uh, oh, beautiful. The gods. Yeah. Ouro dos Deuses. This is in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. So this is from the 80s. So I, I, 
You see, like um, this is the kind of stuff I was diving into, like mm. ufology. I had a whole collection of UFO, you know, um, and today what we know can compare to that is like, you know, a joke. Yeah. But um, really into spirituality and, you know, I visited all kinds of temples and religions and I wanted to taste but not be grasped by it it was almost like i want a taste of it and i want to feel what is resonating it's almost like i was trying to find a unifying point where all those faiths would merge because intuitively i had a sense that there was something really wrong with what was going on in the world and um the division um the judgment the separation and in my heart of hearts, I knew that there is only one truth, you know, that there is, you know, that all this division is not needed, you know, it, it should end. And this was my quest to find the truth, right? Truth is relative, but in, you know, my young mind, I was like, I am going to search until I find. And I studied everything, you know uh everything occult they could possibly imagine um and then i started doing hands-on healing on people um casually you know and anybody that would come and visit my house that if they had a headache i would remove their headache doing um mesmeric passes you know just putting my hands over their heads and you know i had learned and studied and i believed that i could so it actually works, you know, until I was, I was about 16 and my mother took me to a hairdresser to have a haircut really far away. It was a friend of hers from high school mm -hmm. that had this beautiful hair salon. And, but it was in this fancy uh, part of town that we didn't live in. Um, I was born low middle class, actually. It's a lot of things that people, that, that's one of the things people don't know about me. And we go there and she's taking a long time to come down and, you know, from the office upstairs and, and she apologized profusely when she comes the the hairdresser and she says she has a terrible migraine. <laughs> so my mother in the middle of the salon, everybody's sitting and waiting, just says, well, you know, Johnny can take it away. Right, Johnny? You know, because my name in Portuguese is pronounced Johnny. Um my non-music name right mm -hmm. so she said jenny can take it away and i sunk in the chair i said mom don't do that you know <laughs> i was paralyzed because i did that spontaneously to friends and my mother's friends and anybody that came to my home but now she puts me in a public place i'm about to get a haircut and all these people were looking at me like I am an alien, like I'm a bug. <laughs> and, you know, I became super self-conscious after that. But I continued to do it casually because I was going to college and all of that. But um, I don't know. Some of this may actually overlap with our original interview. Um, but I, you know, I'm just going to go step by step. I don't know if I told you this, but around eight and a half or nine, I had an out-of-body experience. Like I was um, a very active child as well, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, 
it was very unusual for me to just in the middle of the afternoon decide to go and lay down on my bed and I felt like something was just guiding me I just went to my bunk bed I had a bunk bed and I laid there and I looked into the ceiling I was on the top bunk and I saw um I started to see through the ceiling and see the sky the the starry sky as if it was nighttime even though it was the middle of the afternoon so i'm seeing the universe right mm-hmm. and then um my my little mind is just asking this revolving question show me what was there before before this before what's here now a curiosity about the past right that was something that I was carrying in my soul. And I, my body, I just felt I could see the planet, you know, um, getting smaller, I I was leaving the earth, right, in a sense. So um, I saw uh, the planet really green, like really, really like a big giant broccoli, like much more vegetation than we have today. And as I pulled up, more you know i this question showed me before and i started to see the planets like in our solar system you know from what i remember today and then um moving farther and farther away getting smaller everything like getting smaller then some of those planets started to disappear i say they started to pop right Mm. Yeah, show me before, show me before. So the planets started to disappear, and then I was looking at galaxies far away, and the galaxies started to disappear. And I kept, you know, this rotating question, show me, what else, what else, what else? And and pop, 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 everything was gone, and I am sitting there, and I love this black darkness, right? It's complete. I wasn't afraid. I was just like, well... This must be where God is. This is the thought in my mind. This must be where God lives, right? But I was there alone and there was nothing else around me. And then, of course, in my innocence, because I didn't have, you know, I was young. I didn't have, I had not been imprinted with religious dogma, mm-hmm. especially because my mother didn't take me to church. Um, I was not afraid to exercise my curiosity and i said show me before god i said show me what was what was there before god right just just i was completely surrendered to this state you Mm -hmm. know and just enjoying all that i was experienced when i asked that question i was pulled back into my body at fast speed like like i woke up from a nightmare (laughs) i just sat up in bed like this you know and my heart was pounding, pounding, pounding. And I I opened my eyes and um, I couldn't remember anything. I didn't know who I was, where I was, that I had a name, that I had a mother. I didn't know what mother was. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what that was. I was in my bedroom. I didn't know what a bedroom was. I didn't, there was absolutely nothing I could remember. It was a complete devastation of my conscience and just loss of identity uh, that I came to understand much later what they call a loss of identity and uh, I was so terrified I was there paralyzed 
you know, people say, well, when you have this experience, it should be blissful. And I'm like, no, there was nothing blissful about it. Mm. I just, um, I was terrified. And eventually, I don't know if it was half an hour, one hour, I found my way down from the bed, opened the door, ran through the kitchen, down the staircase to the street because I lived in an apartment building. And uh, I started running, just running. I I had a sense that something was not right because it was like I had amnesia and I wanted to remember something. Mm-hmm. Even without consciously thinking I want to remember, I I just was panicked. I didn't I didn't imagine, yeah, if somebody raises your memory of self and puts you in a completely different place that looks completely different than the reality you've ever lived in your life. It's like this. You're just, everything felt um, off and something was off. So I was running, 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 running. Eventually, you know, um, the memory started to come back. Um, I think I remembered my mother first and then my name and my grandmother who was, you know, my mother worked every day and I was raised basically by my, my grandma. And so I was 14 and my mother started staying home. But um, um, yeah, it was a shocking experience and I was terrified and I was afraid to tell anybody because I just thought they would think I'm crazy and they would lock me up or something. <laughs> I didn't think anybody would ever believe me. So mm-hmm. I, and I was so, so, so terrified because I lost, I thought I lost my mind that I just wanted to forget it. My my biggest commitment is I will never think about this again. And I stuffed this memory. Um, and it wasn't until um, I did my master's program in spiritual psychology that I was able to dig this memory out again. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, yeah. Well, I'd like to talk more about that as we continue. We're talking with uh, Kaliani, and uh, she's a, a wonderful musician. Our first interview, we embedded uh, many of the songs, uh, not only in the in the radio and the podcast, but also uh, embedded them into the video, video cast that you can find on YouTube. And we hope that you will do so as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. We're talking with Kalyani. And uh, we're, uh, uh, first of all, I have to say that your non-music name, as you put it, uh, Jeanne, I like that actually <laughs> much better than Jane. Jane is so plain. Portuguese. I know it's uh, Portuguese. Uh, I I don't know any Portuguese. I barely know any Spanish. I can count. I think your mic is clicking on and off because you came in and out. Ah, well, then we're going to have to work on that. Um, that that, that's better. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's continue on here. Um, I can I can sort of attest to this uh, this feeling of of bewilderment, especially in your experience. And I want to talk, have you talk more about that uh, as far as the, uh, the out of body experience that you had. Um, The closest thing to a childhood insanity that I came, I was seven years old. Um, uh, First thing that happened was I was sitting in mass and we went to church for quite a while until I was 16 
And I'm sitting there blinking, trying to have two identical blinks. I don't know why I felt I needed to do this. Needless to say, as I began trying to do it as fast as I could, it finally dawned on me that I can never do it because everything is in motion, not only in my body, but in the universe. Uh, then the second thing was, uh, you're, familiar, you're familiar with deja vu experiences, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I had a day that every time I seemed like I turned around, there was again, another one and another one and another one. And I thought I was going to go nuts. It's like, wait a minute. Okay. Uh, the one or two times I've been here before, I know I've never been here before, but I feel like I have, but three and four and five and 10 and 15 times in one day. And I'm thinking, I think I'll just give up. <laughs> um, you Have you had an out-of-body experience since then be in and the first one sounds to me like it was sort of accidental Mm -hmm. but i know people who do it intentionally because it's i what they want to do yeah um i i've had instances where i feel my spirit like um, if I am in a state of meditation laying down, I, I feel my astral body kind of going like this and then it spins and it goes up, you know, but um, I actually, as an adult, have not welcomed the experience. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think um, unless you're talking dream time where I feel like I am in my astral body a lot in mm-hmm. dream time, I've been in in very unique places like the moon <laughs> <laughs> and uh and other interesting places inside spaceship i've been and i know you know and other dreams where i am not walking i am gliding you know and and those dreams i know there's a quality to them that feels more than just um a regurgitation of the last week or the troubles that you're seeing symbolism for, because I've studied a lot of dream interpretation as well. And it, it, they have a completely different quality to them. They're very unique and, you know, they don't have, um, yeah, the psychological aspect of it's, it's a very clean and clear film <laughs> that I'm in, you mm. know, mm-hmm. but other than that, no, no, mm. no, no spontaneous, no, like, conscious like i'm gonna project now and go because i know a lot of people can do that yeah and i read a lot about astral projections growing up you know as well because i yeah it's interesting because um you know you you make reference to the astral body and of course uh, the dream time when we're quote unquote asleep our eyes are closed and we are not really you're not really conscious of the outside world Uh, we are now diving into the inner world so to speak And I find that in those spaces, in talking with many people on this program, those can be very insightful times, if you will, using that word loosely, for us, learning times, uh, inspiring times. Not, you know, and I know there are some people who will have nightmares, you know, things of this nature. But even in those, even in those, there is still something to learn. Mm-hmm. what can you share from not maybe not your experiences but maybe from the work that you do 
uh, you know, in working with people to try to help them to maybe understand some of these, these things that they are experiencing. Um, can you reframe your question? I, um, when you have, when you are working with people, they come to you with various conditions, usually emotional or psychological, those kinds of things, because there are traumas, there are experiences that they have had that manifest in their dreams. And they want to get through this because they don't want to be carrying this stuff around the, the baggage as it were. Mm -hmm. How do you help people to um, leave the baggage at baggage claim, so to speak, you know, uh, so that they can move on and maybe find their purpose for their life and live a more fulfilling life, a more on purpose life. Mm -hmm. Well, every, every case is a different case, but one, a simple, you know, uh, tool that can be used for any case is to move towards what gives you joy, you know, what makes you come alive. And, um, you know, a lot of people are experiencing tremendous conditions that are, you know, abuse and um, poverty or and depression, feeling a sense of lack, or whoever's going through, there's a lot of trouble in the world. And one of the hardest things to understand, people are looking for the answers in their mind. How do I snap out of this state? How do I um, heal? How do I, um, and uh, you know, in my training in the 13 Moon Mystery School, um, there's a beautiful process that is just, go into emptiness emptiness presence because you are not going to find the solution from a mental state you have to actually surrender you know mm -hmm. you surrender it's the way of the feminine it's feminine alchemy so you just you surrender and um you know empty your mind and and just let go of your thoughts and be an empty presence. In that empty presence, the more empty you become, the quicker the answers will come to you and they will come in form of an image or a feeling or an idea that will just kind of like feel like miraculous. How did I not think about this before? <laughs> For as long as you're in, in your head and having regurgitating thought patterns that were passed down to you from your family generation be what it is your country community or um you know your trauma you know gave you these belief systems that are not real and and you're constantly thinking you're not good enough or you know whatever it is you're not worthy or um you're never going to get out of this condition or you deserve it whatever it is you are not going to be able to shift and but when you shift from the inside and you empty your mind and you move towards what gives you joy in whatever form even if you can add even if you, like some people are you know living in poor conditions and they have children and you know it's chaotic but if you can find a moment in the day where you do the one thing that brings you joy even if for one hour 30 minutes and dedicate that to to yourself 
you're going to shift internally and also practicing empty presence, the world outside of you that looks so chaotic and abusive and sad or aggressive will shift. It, mm. When you shift inside, the world will magically shift outside, you know, and it's, it's a hard thing to understand, but only trying and, and practicing, um, you know, it's about mm -hmm. raising your frequency vibration. You have to take time in the day, every human being, to do a little something like that, you mm -hmm. know, and, um, and things will slowly move. It's hard mm -hmm. to get out of that, you know. Yeah. Hard to get out of that uh, that mindset, mm -hmm. you know, that that we've we've actually found ourselves trapped in, you know, that that we've been. um <laughs> programmed i was going to say indoctrinated with but it's more programming that we receive and it's it's not at a lot of times it's not malicious it's just the what it's just what our parents uh have known and and it's all they know to pass on to us until we find a way to break through and we want to talk about a little bit more of that but we also want to talk a little more about your your uh musical experiences as we continue here on tell me your story I'm Richard Dugan, your host. We're talking with uh, Kaliani and uh, the music and the work and her life. And you were sharing with us, of course, uh, your early days, uh, in, especially uh, in terms of your spiritual experiences. Mm -hmm. um, when did you first realize that you had this uh, musical gift? Wow, this was much later in my life, which is like I was, yeah. It was about, I don't know, nine years ago, <laughs> 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was, came very late and uh, it came from this, it didn't come from a desire to sing and and make people happy or I, I actually was not trained musically. I don't play any classic instrument or I, I play some drum and uh, Native American flute but this also came later in my life I, I was not musically trained even though I played some piano when I was very young and like nine uh, ten but dropped out and you know uh, family circumstances were very chaotic at that time and um a lot of hardship, a lot of suffering. My, I lived with my grandpa, and he had cancer, and mm. a lot of sadness around that time. And my mother couldn't keep up; she had to take his job, you know, and in the store. And she was very young, and so yeah. So I, I just, it was, it came from this. It's very hard to explain because um, my journey with the divine feminine is what awakened the voice within me and this has to do with healing from trauma through you know my process at USM I also I'm always you know I all my life constantly um seeking uh this direct connection with spirit um I don't know if you know self-realization fellowship but I also yeah, oh, very much uh matter of fact my metaphysical primer is autobiography of a yogi i read uh probably when i was 16 and i've read it hundreds of times yeah isn't that a, such a gorgeous book mm -hmm. yeah. um 
Well, I think I need to go back to um, at the. I was married sixteen years to uh, someone who considered himself an atheist. You know, he was a child of a, a Jewish and Christian marriage, so his mother was Christian, his father was Jewish, and I saw a lot of um, pain and suffering in his eyes and when he would tell stories of his his father crying over letters coming from Germany uh, in Brazil, where he would find out that his brothers, nieces and nephews, uh, wives, you know, had been killed in concentration camp mm. in Auschwitz. And, and his father was the oldest and he was the one who left Germany early. So... He 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 got caught between, and in the end, he decided that religion, you know, was to blame for most wars, and that it's pointless and has created more death than any other crisis in the world, and war and etc. And he he didn't understand. Uh, I came from a completely non-religious background. I had dozens and dozens of books on spirituality, Alan Kardec, you know, and. You, you name it, Kabbalah and numerology. I just, I explored everything and everything to me was just um, fascinating. Mm -hmm. I was fascinated. And, um, you know, uh, life after death, a lot of books on the astral realm and beyond, you know. I had not ever learned anything about Asian philosophies, which is very interesting. And I, I'm actually happy it happened this way because... It was a lot of Western mysticism, you know, and um, healing and things like that. But um, um, at the end of my marriage, I was married for 16 years, when I saw everything was crumbling down, there was no way to save it. Um, I, I felt this, you know, desire to pray again, because I think we talked about this on our last interview. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I but I wanted this specific prayer and I got this prayer from home. I called home and I did not know it by heart. It was very long. And it's called Caritas. And I did that prayer and that's when um you know this um uh, goddess started to appear to me and in my dreams and in serendipitous ways, you know, and um so many little circumstances and dreams and and I came to find out that she was uh, Kuan Yin, the Bodhisattva, right? So um, that kind of, I feel, catapulted me towards, you know, this healing journey and this progressive understanding of reality and my calling um, to um, help women um, awaken their, the divine within them um, and become... Um, a vocalizer, you know. Mm -hmm. So I went to USAM, um, and after USAM, I did the Thirteen Room Mystery School. I did two years of training to become a vocalizer of, of sacred circles, you know. And some of them are co-ed, you know. I haven't done just male circles because I, that was not my training, but um, but I do uh, mostly. Uh, feminine embodiment circles which is women need to um, be reinserted into the context of spirituality especially 
in their divine authoritative position because most of the world religions for eons have excommunicated them from mm-hmm. that position. Oh, yeah. So that that is the work um, that I came here to do. Uh, and my music is also some aspect of that reflection, even One Earth which is not like Namu's Invocation to Furinana. It is about Gaia, you know. Everybody likes to refer to the planet as the mother because it generates so much life, right? Mm-hmm. Archetypically speaking, archetypally speaking, the Earth is also a feminine entity, right? That's what we're told. And um, so it is even in that sense, which is a, a new a new way for me to... To come out as a singer and singing in English and but um that the vocalizations that I had before were coming from this place of um love for divine mother that cannot be expressed in words and and it, it felt like more like a transmission from her heart into me so that I could deliver it her her transmission. That's that's how it feels to me, you know the uh, and then was invocation and tears right now. Yeah. Kalia, uh, <clears throat> Kaliani is my guest here on the program and you folks are uh, enjoying uh, this conversation. We're going to hear some of her music here in a little bit, uh, but uh, we want to remind you, you are listening to tell me your story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, it is really a pleasure to have you back with us here. Kaliani. Uh, uh, first of all, um, what is the, what is the meaning of the name Kaliani? Kalyani, um, you know, that name came to me in a meditation in my garden. I was meditating and uh, I had been asking Spirit to give me a name because because of my ex-husband at the time and his name and everything, you know, um, and he's no longer with us. But at that time, I wanted to respect his privacy and I knew I was going to come out publicly with a song and also, you know, um Kaliani is an offshoot of of all that I I carry and and it's the poet it's the priestess is the one that is not so involved in the day-to-day grind and that energy I felt like needed to be like, you know, it's it's like, you know, Sting. Sting is not born Sting. His mother didn't call him Sting. Probably Sade is not Sade. I don't know. <laughs> A lot of people choose um, an artistic name to separate them from uh, the the history, uh, the, the, the rest of the history and whatever that entails. Um, you know, I... I, I I shapeshift sometimes when I do in production. People call me, uh, still call me Jane because, you know, they met me before Kaliani came out. So so I just, I allow, they to coexist happily. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, anyway, I got sidetracked. What was I going to explain to you? Um, what was the question? Well, oh. we we were talking about the meaning of oh, the meaning, the so it came on meditation and I ran to the computer to, I, I said, what is this? <laughs> and I, I, the first thing I did is like, what is, so I learned it. It's an Indian name and it's, uh, it means auspicious. The one that brings gifts. Uh, uh, it means beautiful. 
It has a lot of different meanings. Kalyani is connected to the left-hand path of, of mm, Hinduism. Um, and Sundari is the triple goddess. You know, it's also, I think, um, because that's the second name, you know, it, it came out as Kalyani Sundari. I only use Kalyani because it's easier, but um, so very interesting because, um, yeah. Mm. Give the universe just dropped in like that. Absolutely. And I know there are a lot of folks who um, have changed their names or added or what have you, different things of this nature. Uh, my wife did the same thing with uh, with her given name and changed it legally to uh, the name that she has now. I almost did that uh, with my name. Uh, but uh, even to this day, now that I, uh, and it's funny how I knew that I was named after my father. Mm -hmm. um, his middle name was Richard. My mm -hmm. middle name is it was his first name. And at his memorial, as I began my remarks, I actually introduced myself as I am Richard Les Dugan. I'm in the first male. I was named after him. And I take that. I, I don't take it lightly. So I don't think that I would change it at this point, especially now knowing what I know and having been with it for 63 years. I mean, you know, hey, <laughs> why why change now? Why why mess with a good thing? We're talking with Kalyani, and uh, we want to talk more about the uh, the work that she does, helping people, supporting people, encouraging people. As we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I I, I am so uh, uh, grateful for the time that you are giving us here on the program to talk about your life. When you are writing. And I take it you do write your music. Mm -hmm. um, I take it that uh, you you have what maybe a special place, um, a certain period of time, um, or take whatever time you want, kind of thing. In terms of creating the different types of music that you create, what's what I don't want to ask the question, what is your process? But what is there anything in particular that you do that facilitates the writing of the pieces that we we will be listening to uh, here on this program? And if we go to YouTube, for example, or we go to Spotify, uh, you know what 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 are the what are the, what's sort of the core? Of, of the music that you write? Uh, you know, um, every song is different and there's only one common element to creating each one of them. And it's a special place, but it's not a special physical place. It's a special inner place, right? It is a special place. It's a special place internally, right? It's um, a feeling driven by the love of what you're doing, the message that you are given, um, not being motivated by material things or outside things or what you could gain from it, which is where most people are um, because it's a struggle just to live and be alive and be here and survive and 
deal with all the turbulent matrix, you know? Um, but there's a special place inside of us. And this is a place of love. And when you connect to that special place, your frequency rises in whatever you're meant to deliver will come to you. And you could say that is divine intervention or just you open a bigger size of your brain that is connected to your heart that's weaving the creation, you know, as it comes through. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is a special place. It's a special inner space, right? But I can be in the garden. I can be in the bathroom. I actually created a song just getting ready to leave on a trip for um, the, to the Bay Area. And I, it was five o'clock in the morning. Um, and the song just came through me. Um, it was, I actually have not released that. It's very, it's like a shamanic in, in native American chant. It's, it's very mm. simple. It's just very drummy and like, it's just, yeah, and I play the flute in it. I already recorded it. I my plan is to make a a short video for it and release it. It's very, it's just very heart filled. It's just pure chant and vocals and. So when people listen to your music, are they getting a deeper insight into Kalyani? If I mean, if they're really listening. I don't think they're necessarily getting an insight uh, into me. They're getting an insight into the universe within them. And I've had people cry in front of me listening to Namu's Invocation. I've, I've received letters saying the song changed their lives, that they now see better, you know, that they hear it every morning, that they use in their ceremonies, that they... You know, and I've had people um, really moved in front of me. The, one of the reasons why I released Namus Invocation, because like I told you, I was not planning on being a singer. Mm -hmm. It's completely accidental. I created that for a documentary I wanted to create on the Divine Feminine, right? And I, 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 I told you last time we talked how powerful music, music is the soul of any um, film anything created imagery right that moving image need uh, to come alive with sound and to do justice to this film you know and i when i did secrets of love which is a documentary uh, on loving relationships as a catalyst for uh, soul's evolution we came across you know the reality of licensing music how expensive it can be and um and i thought i won't even try to create a documentary unless i have the music so the music became the focus but it was driven by this love of divine mother and this passion that i was carrying in my heart to make the awareness of her existence shine brighter in everyone's consciousness you know um with reverence you know and and the proper the proper understanding of it so um that song came through um 
yeah, step by step, you know? And I tell you, there's one quality that most people, you know, it's not talked about in spirituality as, you know, everybody talks about love and truth and authenticity and gratitude. But there's one quality that without which you're not going to manifest your dreams. It's courage. Mm. Mm -hmm. And each, each thing that I have done in my life required me to step into my courage and um, face my fear and uh, not let my fear rule over my life, <laughs> which is, it's fundamental, you know, I, yeah. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't say. Would, one of my guests said once that um, the spirit world, the entities on that side, if you will, Mm-hmm. look upon us, the humans that are here today, as heroes, because we have chosen to be here at this particular time in what well, I guess we could use the term uh, human history. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's really anything special about us humans who are here now, the spiritual beings living in physical body, that that because of the things that are going on in the world today uh, that warrant us being referred to in that, in that way and being honored in that and and having that kind of respect given to us. I mean, I, I can tell you that, you know, I've, it's been on and off throughout my life, but I've been doing the, I've been doing my damn work, you know, (laughs) no one else can do it for me. I'm really trying to, to make myself a better person uh, but always reminding myself, look, you're making yourself better tomorrow than you were today. That doesn't mean that today you're not a good person. You're not a better person. It's just there's always room for improvement. What are your What are your thoughts about those of us who are here on this earth today, uh, and and our role to play in the the the, the universal play, shall we say? I actually, the first question is like, who's your friend? I want to meet him because I could not <laughs> agree more. I could not agree more. Who is the guest? Uh, introduce me because I I constantly say this. We have been programmed to believe we are worthless and we'll never, you know, forget about, you know, we are brought, born from sin and all of that. The program is deep. And the chaotic, traumatic uh, kind of experiences we were exposed to through war and, you know, whoever is creating this matrix, you know, (laughs) we have co-created it, has created so much trauma, you know, and this trauma has hindered uh, our understanding of who we are. We are actually stewards of the 3D experience, you know, and I always say without 3D, there's no 4D, 5D or 6D. We Mm -hmm. are fundamentally important. Okay, I'm getting chills now coming down. Um, You know, it's if we were to erase the program, we would understand how important we are. We are living at the bottom of our capacity right now due to wrong belief system about who we are. 
actually we need to reform that we need to if you grew up with somebody saying to you from birth you are nothing you're never going to amount to nothing you're despicable you're a horrible human being you would end up becoming all of that because you know if, if everybody's telling you you're that then you must be but if somebody while you're growing up says you're a wonderful human being never forget your light you are here in this world you're here to do miracles you're here to enlighten humanity you're here as a master your work is important don't ever allow anybody to tell you anything different you would walk with your head held high mm -hmm. and you would start to feel it and this is not what we were told you know, mm -mm. Mm -mm. this is not what we were told. <laughs> and we have to remember that do not ignore that you are a byproduct of intense amount of trauma and program to make you small. That has made you small and mm. easily manipulated. You know, it's time we start to understand in the complex multiverse that we are proud, heroic, courageous stewards of this 3d reality without 2d there's no 3d without 3d there's no 4d we can't evolve we are part of the chain and yes we're heroes i tell um you know um my circle when i am facilitating and even outside of it tap yourself in the back because you chose to come here this is not for the faint of heart. Mm -mm. Just coming down is a major choice. Yeah, I couldn't agree with your friend more. Introduce yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> See if I could remember who it was. Uh, yeah, it's it's really fascinating. Yeah, and I remember my mother, she shared this with us when we were still living at home. I don't know if I was in my preteens or teens, but she shared with each one of us how um, how special and unique we were. And I remember at the time when I found out that she had shared that with each one of us six kids. Mm -hmm. At the time, it seemed like it diminished in my mind. It diminished that statement. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, no, it doesn't diminish it. It actually emphasizes it even more. There are six of us and each one of us is unique and special in our own way. Is that what she said? What would she what would she say constantly or often? That's that's what she would tell each one of us that you are unique and special. But she would always tell it to us in private, okay? In private, one on one. Because I think she wanted to hammer home the fact that we as individuals, not just as a family, but as individuals, mm -hmm. we were unique. We were special. We were we're here just as just as you just described to hold our heads high and and to live and move from, as we've talked about on this program many times, move from survival enough with survival. I've had it up to here with survival. It's time to thrive. It's time to thrive and we can do it right here and right now. But we have to, we have to work through those old beliefs, that old programming that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of fun to bring up uh, the idea of pride because, you know, pride has been looked down upon and usually it's an egoic pride that usually gets people in the way 
of their healing, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there is a spiritual pride, and and to walk with your held held head held high uh, is is a reflection of a spiritual pride, a pride yeah. related to how you carry yourself, how you honor yourself, how you respect yourself, and uh, you know the level of authenticity you walk in the world. Uh, your connection to spirit and to know your value, to know your contribution, no matter how small, it's fundamental. You came here to give your time, to learn, to share, to give lessons and receive lessons. And, you know, it, 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 it's no matter who you are, what you do, you're part of the greater chain, you know, the weaving of this reality. And you can do better things even greater things if you understand that the program um, that you are operating with can be eliminated and replaced with a new understanding of reality that you need to practice. You know, if you have to fake it, do you make it? You know, <laughs> as long as you're just telling yourself like a mantra, mm -hmm. you know, I am a powerful being, I'm a being of light, I am honorable, I am worthy, and forgive yourself for the mistakes you've made. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is liberation, it's freedom. Give yourself. You know, there is a process at USM that's beautiful. We put our hands in our heart. I forgive myself for buying into the belief that I am dot, 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 dot. Mm -hmm. And you can say that over and over again and saying all the beliefs you had about yourself that are not real. And then you affirm the opposite. I am actually this, 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 and that, and that, and I love myself. And I forgive myself for all the ways in which I, I fell from it because I was not in awareness of my truth of mm. who I really am and I was afraid and in my fear I fell mm. you know? that's why <laughs> courage 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 have courage have courage have courage Kalyani's my guest here on tell me your story I'm Richard Dugan your host and uh Kalyani I want to ask you as we uh come close to the end of of this uh, this conversation that we're having I want to ask you um, about the not just the creating of your music, but also the creating of those pathways that help others, that facilitate others in their process of personal growth and development. Um, you've, I'm sure, you've heard of the term being in the zone. It's a more of a sports analogy. Where an individual is 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 having one of the most remarkable experiences uh, of their career in one particular game, shall we say? Uh -huh. Now, it's not to say that uh, after that game is over and they go on to continue to play other games that they're not that good, but in this particular game, they're in that zone. They're just on, uh, and so forth. Mm -hmm. When you are creating. Whatever it is you're creating, do you find yourself in that space, that zone uh, where time either stands still or just flies by, one of the two, you're just not aware of it, okay? And, and the next thing, next time you look up, you're going, really? It's, it's that late or it's that early or whatever. And what you have created for you initially, it has 
you've created something that has a profound impact on you. And this kind of goes to what you just spoke of the spiritual pride. I've had that happen where I listen to something. I'm going, wow, that's amazing. I did that. Wow. That sounds, that sounds very cool. I I love that. I did one uh, where I actually, it brought me to tears. I couldn't believe that I had done that, but it wasn't an ego centered pride. It was, wow, that is, that is amazing. I'm glad that I was used in this fashion. Do you find that in, in your creative process? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I like to say, of course, I am a part of this co-creation, but I always say um, it's not mine. It came through me, but it's not mine. And um, in the beginning, when I released Namu's Invocation, for example, I could not listen to Namu's Invocation standing because my legs would buckle and I had to close my eyes. So I do find that some music is a real direct transmission and i my position was always one of humility uh Mm -hmm. because i i felt the intensity of the energy that was pouring through and what it did to people you know um and um I could feel the zaps through my body and actually for um for quite a few months if not even the first couple of years after the music vacation I um could not listen I acclimated to it I say but I the vibration coming through my body it was too intense for me to stand up I had to sit down and close my eyes automatically it just happened automatically I put it because sometimes friends were like, I heard you made a song. Can I hear it? In the beginning, I had not released it. And I was like, okay. And I would put like the CD on and I I would just immediately sit down, close my eyes. And I would find them crying when I opened mm. my eyes. Mm. Some of them would grab my arms and go like, look at me. Say like, they, they couldn't even, you know. So if your heart is open, it doesn't do that to everybody. But if you're open and you have a sense of connection with the divine and you allow the song to penetrate you. Yeah, you you will feel it move you. You'll mm. feel it move you, and it did to me. And yeah. And how is that experience different from performing this music live in front of audiences, people? Mm. I've only performed live maybe three times. You know, I there was an event at a. Um, Agape International Spiritual Center. It was the end of 2012, December 21st, 2012, when they say the cycle ended, uh, one cycle of humanity ended and we started according to the Mayan calendar, right? Mm -hmm. The end of the Mayan calendar, technically. There was a huge spiritual event there and there was um, a separate um, space outside of the main sanctuary where um, one of the, you know, um, priestesses of the 13 moon, a senior one, had created this beautiful um, environment like the womb. You know, it's the first archetype of this, um, you know, of this work of Ariel Spilsbury, whom I love and immensely grateful for what she created. Um, 
you know, and I sang in that beautiful warm space that was created with a lot of love when everything was a burgundy color and pillows and, you know, there were, it was very, very feminine and very nurturing and, and, um, they, there was about like, I don't know, maybe 60 people in the room. And I, I sang them was vacation for the first time because they had heard it and they said, would you be singing that in that temple? And I said, okay. And that was the first time. And then I've, I've sung in events in my house. Um, uh, but what happens is, is not very different. Of course, you, there's a little more, um, mental, uh, space because you are performing and you have to perform correctly and you have to be on time and you have to enter the vocals at the so but I always feel like this sense you know of um it's like a mental that's it's coming over me even mm. when I sing but if when you listen you're more relaxed you don't you don't have to have so much mental articulation and I, and that's what i why i like to sing without words because words get in the way of the mind mm -hmm. and you think about you know words have different meanings sometimes one word can be interpreted five six different ways and your interpretation is different than his and hers so you never know what your message how your message is going to hit someone but when you have pure tone frequency vibrations hitting somebody's heart you know um there is no mind space to be in to interpret or think about and make storylines. It's an empty canvas and you're receiving this transmission and it hits you in a way that you can't put, you know, words to it almost. And that's why people have cried listening to some of these songs. A lot of songs make us moved, you know? Mm. Um, and recently, uh, an interviewer that I'm going to be interviewed by that I love, T-Love, you know, she has her own radio show. Um, she wrote a letter uh, to me uh, and my PR saying, I can barely type. My eyes are blurry. I can't believe it. And this is about one earth. When she said, I read the lyrics when I received the, the press kit, but are the press release and, and, and I thought, wow, this is so timely and so beautiful. But she said, when I heard the song, I just, she said, I cried the whole time. So, you know, if if, you're, if your heart is in the right place, you're going to receive that. And my hope is that it will give you hope and make you want to contribute more. Because mm. you're so apathetic. There's so much sadness. People don't know where to draw inspiration from. And... Everything I do, I hope, will lift people up and make them believe in themselves and 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 feel all their impetus to participate because it 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 gives them hope, you know. It gives them possibility, you know. Mm -hmm. you know yeah, I, mean? I often think of a lot of the various institutions that we have uh, and. Oh, I often wonder, well, what is your end game? I mean, what, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? And the it, it is similar to this business that I've been in, 
there is no end game because every day there's a new project, there's a new something to do, something to create, uh, and so forth. And so in some of these institutions, it isn't about an end game as much as it is about just making things better. And that's what we're all about here on this program, giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. And one of those choices, which is a wonderful addition to one's uh, a library, if you will, is your music that, you know, can can and make a, a huge difference. Uh, I have has there been because I've I've spoken with a number of people on this program about sound therapy and and all of the different aspects thereof. Has there been any um, any kind of um, uh, maybe people who have like this this one uh, uh, talk show host who sent you this letter? Others who have have corresponded with you and said, "Hey, your music has impacted me and affected me in this way, that way, the other way." It's just amazing. I mean, it's like you don't need any research projects, you know, <laughs> to tell you that your music is having a great impact a positive impact on the world through the people that are listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's true. Mm -hmm. And, and do you, do you, uh, you just kind of take that in because this, it, you really don't have any control over how it impacts people. All you can do is create it with what you're given to create with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, what all of us do you know everybody who creates anything and yeah can't control what it does you don't know what your show has done to people it's wonderful when people actually tell you there um i bet there are a lot of people who has been transformed who love to listen to you and who feel your own story which i read and i know how beautiful it is is um is inspiring you know the fact that you overcame so much, transformed your life, and now you live in service, you know, it's its all we can do. We are inspired to do something, do and deliver. Sometimes you're going to hear back, and a lot of times, most people will not tell you how moved they are. They don't have time. They're just enjoying it, and they don't feel like it's, you know, they have to. You know, A lot of times, things move me. I don't go type a letter to somebody it <laughs> happens because you know in the moment mm -hmm. you know she had to write back and say of course i want to have kalyan in my show oh my god and then she took that opportunity to really pour her heart out yeah and um, you know when you have the opportunity people should tell people who are out there creating positive change how important they are it's important fuel for us to continue because there's so much that can take us down. There's so much dis discouragement that happens just from life, you know, from mm -hmm. the matrix that we're <laughs> trying to survive, navigate through the currents, you know, and exactly and against the current sometimes the cur against the dark current, you know, we yeah. got to stand strong and say, no, you're not taking me down. I'm a spiritual uh, like bearer, you know, yeah. and I'm going to continue to go on. You can't take me down. Not going to do it. Thousand points of light. <laughs> I have to say that was a pretty good, uh, a pretty good concept all in all. Uh, Kalyani, I want to thank you so much. Uh, this has been incredible to uh, have this opportunity to chat with you here on Tell Me Your Story. 
I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, Kaliani, as we wrap this up, uh, I real from the, the the perspective of gratitude, I'm very grateful that you uh, have chosen to offer yourself and the gifts that come through you to the rest of us to help us to work out some of the things that we want to and need to work out in order to be, oh, I don't know if the right word is fully human, but maybe fully spiritual in the context of, in, in my in, from my perspective, being of service, okay, in whatever way that I can. It's not always easy, but it's what I have to do. It's it's that's that's what I'm all about, and I know that's what you're about too. So thank you for for the gifts that you bring. Thank you, Richard. It was a pleasure as always. And I thank you, folks, for listening to and watching. Tell me your story. I'm going to ask you, uh, Kaliani, uh, those three questions. You know that uh, I asked you the last time. Your answers might change. You may or may not even remember the questions, but that's okay. But I want to thank I want to thank you folks for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We have uh, we stream live at richarddugan.com. We have podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and many other locations, as well as YouTube, where you can watch these interviews. I hope that you'll click notification so that uh, when I post a new conversation, you'll know that it's there and you can go there and listen to it and watch it if you'd like. And we certainly hope that you will go to our guest website so that you can find out more about the work that uh, that uh, Kaliani is doing. And uh, it's just amazing the things that she is doing with with the talent that she has. Kalyani.com is the website, Kalyani.com. We hope that you'll go there. And uh, am I correct? It, it is an album, not just a song called One Earth? No, it's just it's just a song. Just a it, song, okay. There are many other songs on youtube and you have a youtube channel as well we hope that they will uh look that up and we will be linked to that website by the way uh so that people can find out more about what you are doing uh we ask that if you can support this work financially we would greatly appreciate it we have a paypal account it's there for your security as well as ours and when you go to paypal and do that they're going to ask you for the email address to whom to send the contribution richard at richarddugan.com is the email richard at richarddugan.com we also ask you to spend some time during this, the decade of perfect vision, going within, spending time in that quiet, peaceful, calm, still place, listening to that still, small voice. And with all of that said, uh, first question to our guest, who is Kalyani? Um, I think I remember that question. Um you know, it takes uh, a lot of courage to say what I say, but Kalyani is love. Kalyani is love fundamentally. In the world, I am a spiritually inspired visionary. <laughs> <laughs> Co creating with spirit, whatever spirit calls me to do, I mm. say yes. Mm -hmm. What is your life's purpose? Um. Yeah, I remember that. I think, I feel, it is to inspire and mm -hmm. heal and help heal. Mm -hmm. 
And finally, what was your best day? Mm. My gosh. How about today? Oh, there you go. Hello, kitty. (laughs) (laughs) Very stazzy. Oh, my goodness. How beautiful. Beautiful. My goodness. My my best day. I think I said it was the birth of my daughter, mm-hmm. which I was so mesmerized. I couldn't sleep because I couldn't close my eyes. I was just staring at her the whole time mm. for, you know, hours. And um, yeah, and I feel, yeah, each day is an opportunity to be your best day ever, you know? And um, um I could not choose one. There's been so many extraordinary mm. days other than that. Um, being in sisterhood, being a meditative circle, um, you know, and being with my community in the garden, celebrating nature, celebrating planting trees, or, you know, listening to the Muslim vacation or Tears for Inanna for the first time after it's produced and recorded and one earth like releasing each one of my music videos all of those are best days you know Mm. well once again i thank you so much for giving us this time and uh, we look forward to having you back again and hopefully uh the next time we get together maybe you'll have some more new music yes definitely i'll look forward to that one that you're you're holding on to (laughs) (laughs) and thank you again thank you And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices and uh, to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol. Mm -hmm. Jeanette, I am listening. (laughs) And dad, I'm listening faster too, by the way. And dad, continue to be happy.